Grab your popcorn and silence those cell phones because the show is about to start. Rick and Nick Talk Flicks. Rick Blaine is an award-winning film critic featured on TheBigScreen.net.org and has been highlighted on over 75 unreleased independent film posters in less than 12 different countries. Nick Brown. He's been the high school projectionist for the AV Club for over nine semesters and can be heard nightly at the theater talking loudly in the row behind you about the film being screened. And now, they're joining forces. Ladies and gentlemen, Rick and Nick Talk Flicks. It is another beautiful day to podcast and talk movies. Just a couple of schmoes filling in for the lead schmoes that don't feel like they need to show. It is Rick and Nick Talk Flicks. I'm Dave Brooks. That was done very, very well. And here's the ironic part about what, part of what you said there. It's a beautiful day for podcasting. We are indoors for doing such podcasting. Well, it's chilly in September here. There is shorts. Chilly? What are you talking about? We're getting up to like 80 today. Well, that'll be at 4 in the afternoon yeah. or whatever. Right now it's 8 in the morning and it's like 40-something outside. It was just very ironic. Anyway, welcome <laughs> to Rick and Nick Talk Flicks. That was a very skillfully... Uh, navigated intro there by Mr. Dave Brooks, and a I'm Joel Hoover. professional. Who's also a fill-in. <laughs> and I'm Joel Hoover, um, and we welcome you. Rick and Nick Talk Flicks is sponsored by the Bemidji Theater, located on Highway 2, just down from the airport. Stop on in. You can catch what is currently showing on the big screen there. If you are still building yourself up to getting back to watching a movie on the big screen, go and support your local theater. Go and support the Bemidji Theater by getting concessions, you can get popcorn, you can get yourself a slushie. I love slushies. You can get some concessions and you can still be able to support the Bemidji Theater in that regard. Just take them on home with you and then you can enjoy those while you are watching a film from the comfort of home. While you are working yourself toward getting back to seeing things on the big screen again. And if I- you are, next week. Huge benchmark. I know. I was just about to say that, Dave. I am looking forward to next week and Did finally. Did you rent your tux yet? Uh, well, I, I piece I, I piece together suit items so that it looks like a tux, even though it's not a tux. <laughs> um, yes, because No Time to Die is finally, actually, I'm pretty certain going to be released next week. So I am very excited about that. The newest James Bond movie, the final Daniel Craig one as well. Next week, it is hitting the big screen. We'll talk later, I'm I can't sure, at some it. point, who might be the new Bond. They're saying they're not going to even think about it, yeah, right, until 2022. I'm sure they've got some ideas. We've heard names for months, if not years. We'll get around to that. But uh, this should be fun. Let's hope for a good benchmark test. Uh, we usually will talk spoilers, but today we're going to be talking something much more topical that's going on. So maybe not much for spoilers forthcoming as far as movies go, but... We love our shows, we love our movies, we love uh, watching the newest episodes, the newest movies of Bond or anything else, but what would happen if a strike meant it was all going to, at least for a while, come to an end? We have not had that possibility or that experience in about 14 years or so, Dave. Remember the big writer's strike that went on in, in the 2000s, the mid to late 2000s when that took place? That was, I still remember, that was very significant, especially in the realm of television when the writer strike was going on that was that was a massive deal and that impacted a lot of television shows at the time i remember my favorite show the office they were they were impacted by it only doing a 14 episode season that year because of what was going on with the writer strike and cutting things short many other shows were impacted by that so we have not had the reality of a strike in over a decade but the reality of a strike is looming very, very large right now. Yeah, with so many more options for content. I mean, back even then, what was streaming? Streaming didn't really exist back then. Netflix was something where you got CD or DVDs rather through the mail. You know, Netflix is not like that at all anymore. What's a DVD here in 2021? Um, but with all the movies, with all the TV shows, and with all the streaming content, the drive is just filled for content, 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 content. And uh, you want to go to work. You want to be you know, treated fairly as a person. You want to be paid appropriately. And it's been an increasing call that that's not the case. And some of the media companies wanting to say that, well, streaming is still an experiment. We don't know where it's going to go. Come on. 
you, you look around at how things are going, this is clearly the future of how things have been going, whether it's day and date releases or whether you're not going to release movies immediately. There's still a debate as to exactly how this will simmer down to and what streaming will ultimately be consistently. But an experiment? No, I don't think I would call it that. I'd call it an excuse yes. at this point. It maybe have been an experiment at some point, but that experiment ended at least a year ago. It you know during this pandemic, it has proven what streaming can and will be, and is likely going to be, changing the landscape. Will theaters survive? They wouldn't be having that discussion if if you know streamers were totally taking it over. The Scarlett Johansson issue regarding her lawsuit against. Was it Marvel specifically, or was it Disney on it the was, whole? To my understanding, it was not Marvel, but Marvel is owned by Disney, so she's targeting Disney. Right. There was the lawsuit involved regarding what her actual pay was out of Black Widow and what she was going to be compensated related to that. Uh, well, and related to in her, in her contract, what had been set up as far as what what they were going to do in regard to streaming platforms and where they were going to be releasing the movie and putting it out because it all went to show that with the streaming reality that we are in now, there is a greater sense of unknown as far as where the money goes from streaming. Where does it all get divided up? And then how are those who are, who are part of these projects, whether they are on the front end of it, these actors, or on the back end, those who are making all of this work, how are they all getting compensated for this? What are their contracts that they set up in advance of this too? That was the big thing in Scarlett Johansson's case was, was this meeting the terms of her contract? And even if it was changed related to COVID, was this a violation of it? And were there any changes that were made that had been agreed upon? Apparently not because she had been willing to take this to a suit to be able to to try to get this all resolved and taken care of in a way that she deemed was fair. So that was a singular incident that raised some very good larger questions on the whole. And now, Dave, we're suddenly seeing that singular incident be truly the tip of the iceberg, as now we have this massive this massive strike that is looming. I've got all the details pulled up here of, of like the basics on it. Do you want me to just go through it? Because you have a lot of interesting intel and, and more to add to this. Yeah, one thing we'll, we'll say before we kind of get a little more deep into this, this is complicated. This gets very, very nuanced very, very quickly. And so what we're really going to do is kind of give you the general overbrushed, you know, very varnished over kind of idea. There's a lot more to this than what we're going to talk about. If this is something that's, if we start talking about union rules and bylaws and, and guilds and blah, 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 you start just, you know, it's like listening to a, a, a droning on professor in school about something you do, like Charlie Brown's teacher. We're going to keep this broad. We're going to keep this as easy to follow and as easy to understand. And we're going to skip some things. But if this is something that interests you, there's a lot of material out there. Um, the web, what's the union's, uh, it's, a, it's an acronym again. What's their? The acronym is IATSE. That's right. Uh, they've got a website that's got a lot of good information. I was looking it over. Um, I've got a friend that works out in Hollywood, and they work in some projects, and I talked to them last night. I'm not going to mention them by name or what they do, but uh, getting kind of looking at this when you're reading these things is like looking at your neighborhood from Google Earth. It's just way and high and far above. But to get to kind of zoom in, so to speak, and talk to one of those ants on the ground and get their perspective on it from actually being in the middle of this kind of thing was interesting. You don't read about that kind of thing when you're reading uh, the interesting parts of this. So that might pepper this conversation a little bit. We're going to keep it broad. We're going to try to keep it moving, but try to help you understand what's going on and why and the bigger picture as to what this means and how it could all all right shut down Hollywood for perhaps a time. So we are recording this on Tuesday, September 28th is when this is. Friday, October 1st is when there will be a call for a vote that is going to begin a strike authorization vote among the IATSE. So that is the acronym. Just, the, so you, just to the, let people know, the ISTCE, I, I screwed that up, is a lot of different guilds together. Yes, it's the International Association of Theatrical Stage Employees. Um, they they have been calling for a strike authorization vote. Uh, this took place just last week that they called for this vote. The vote will begin 
this coming Friday, and it is going to extend through Sunday, I believe, that they are going to get their members to to take a vote on if they are going to strike or not, or or have or give authorization to the head of the IATSE to call for a strike if negotiations are end up breaking down. So what it could mean is what some are calling the largest collective strike related to Hollywood slash acting since World War II. In fact, that that's how large this would be. There'd be over 60,000 employees who could walk off the job. Apparently, most of them are, are based out of Los Angeles. Um, it would lead to a, a large-scale shutdown that would take place on both TV and film production because there are... There are these national quote unquote unions that are that they're actually deemed as locals, but they're actually quote unquote national unions, and that's the 600, 700, and 800. Local 600 is represented by camera operators, and it's about 9,600 of them. Um, and they are the largest of the locals. They represent camera operators as well as cinematographers. Very, very important people in making films happen. I mean, we've talked about cinematography before on this show and just how staggeringly beautiful it is and can be in in the movies um, and on TV as well. So they would then be striking. That would also include then post-production because there would be editors from the local 700 who would also be stepping out and, and stopping completely in regard to all of this. There's apparently never been a strike before. Uh, by IATSE. This has never happened. It's it's very, very unprecedented. Um, but they they have gotten to a point, uh, a breaking point, in regard to many different issues and factors as far as what their their contract and what their setup is stipulating. Um, they are see- Here are some of the things that they are seeking accommodation for. More rest breaks when it comes to the work that they are doing. They, they are apparently working extremely long hours to make these different projects happen and on a very tight turnaround, especially with these streaming projects that just seem to get churned out on, on the daily, really, as far as the, the new projects that are getting out there. More is getting created perhaps than ever as far as things that are hitting the big screen, the small screen, any screen, but they are doing so on a, in a manner that is forcing people to work overtime. Um, they want longer turnaround times between production hours as well. Um, and then they are also... So apparently the Alliance of Motion Picture and Television Producers who are representing major studios including Netflix and Amazon, this is all according to Variety, they have not made concessions to shorten the workday up for these people who are fulfilling those roles. This also does involve the the compensation as well, and compensation in relation to what is going on with streaming. And again, going back to that whole issue of where is the money actually going with projects that are going to streaming platforms rather than to either television itself or to the big screen itself as well. That's a, a, a very, very general breakdown of what's going on with this strike, what is leading to its possibility of taking place. And again, just because uh, the, just because there's going to be this vote that's going to be taking place doesn't mean an actual strike will occur from it. It will give power to those within the IATSE who can officially call and say, we are on strike. But they need to get a very resounding response to say, Yay or nay. There are apparently 444 delegates who would be looking for a majority vote. But even with a majority vote, they want to make sure that there is a strong majority that are saying, yes, we want to go on strike here. Or if if the response is tepid or if it's less than a majority, then their power is essentially gone and they might just continue on. So that about breaks it all down just from a very overhead perspective on, on it all. I'm sure there's much that you have to fill in here on this, though, too, yeah, Dave. There's a lot to unpack uh, from what you said. That's a very good overview. Thank you very much, Hoof. Applause, applause. Golf clap, golf clap. So let's unpack a little bit about what Hoof was talking about. So this union, essentially, let's break it down. Not actors, not directors, not writers, but everybody else that's involved in making a show, whether we're talking camera operators or editors or special effects or you name it, anyone that's not an actor, a writer, or a director, for the most part, 
uh, is what we're talking about going on strike here. Now, there has been strong shows of solidarity from many people that are not officially involved in this, actors and directors and writers, that have shown their solidarity. We're, we're in this with you. Now, there are some, call it pockets, of areas that would be exempt from this. Like, for example, HBO has set up something that is, they won't be affected by this. So HBO shows will continue, but others might not. So what is the real problem here? So to break it down in a nutshell, the bosses want their money and they don't they don't want to be dispersing it out too much. You do not this is not a new problem where Hollywood's very creative accountant department, if you want to call it that, has cried poorhouse. We don't have the money, we don't anyone that knows that basically California's biggest industry is the film industry. They're making money hand over fist. You could look at Disney alone, you know, with their acquisition of 20th Century Fox, they own roughly 40% of all content currently being or has ever been produced ever. That's 40% of an entire market share. That's almost half. Uh, so whether you're talking about, you know, continuing to show older shows or older movies and that's content for these streaming devices, they just put they're about to put Seinfeld on Netflix. That show's been off the air for 20 years, but it's a great, you know, probably a little longer than that, but it's a great show, one of the all-time best comedies. But the new content is what really drives this stuff, whether it's the next season of Stranger Things or what about Saul or anything brand new that might be coming down the pipe. Better Call Saul. Yeah, Yeah. that's one of your personal favorites. I got you. AMC, yep. They're getting ready to do a new Christopher Nolan movie, but they won't be doing much if nobody's there to help shoot it or anything else. So a lot of things could go on hold. So... So what's the real problem here? Let's let's start to unpack this. This partially is about money. Let's start with that. Um, it's not the same thing as say the Scarlett Johansson deal, but it's kind of similar. So let's let's unpack that just a little bit. Uh, let's start with the Scarlett Johansson thing. Let's just use small round numbers. Let's say as an actor or as a director or a whoever that's you know kind of got a big name and they are their own brand, so to speak. Um, let's say Scarlett Johansson's going to do a movie. You're going to pay me $1 million to do the movie. It's just a flat fee. Okay, that's called taking an upfront deal. I'll do this deal for X amount of money, $1 million, no problem. But sometimes it's easier to say, I'll work for less of an upfront fee. You're going to pay me $500,000 versus a million, and then I want a back-end deal, which means based on how the movie performs or certain milestones that it reaches, certain tiers that it accomplishes, call it that, you can make bonuses on that. So not only could Star- Scarlet or anybody else finally make that million dollars, they could make in excess of that. Alec Guinness took a percentage of the proceeds for playing Obi-Wan Kenobi in the original Star Wars. So did George Lucas. Nobody thought that it was going to do anything. It made them, you know, gazillionaires because they went, it became a super, super movie and they all benefited. The studios didn't like that because that was money that they could have got. They wanted back in. So those deals didn't really happen after that. So with the Scarlett Johansson issue, yep, this is your back-end deal, pretty standard. At this point, streaming was in its infancy. There was no pandemic, and then all of a sudden, everything changed. This movie's going to be released on a streaming platform at the same time that it's released in movie theaters. A lot of people that did see the movie didn't go to the movie theaters. They only went and saw Disney+. Plus. Disney Plus didn't factor into the contract language, so if you had half the people that would see it saw it on streaming and the other half saw it in the theaters... That means you didn't make your back-end deal because certain levels at the box office, and I mean by that the theaters, not Disney+, Plus, correct, didn't factor in. Well, we're not factoring in Disney+. Plus. Well, then how am I supposed to make your deal? You're not going to make your deal. Well, so she's being taken, what's being taken away from her is the ability to make the money that she would have done had she taken a front-end deal. You know, they would have paid her more up front, and that would have been the deal. So she should have done a front-end deal, basically, but they're taking it away from her. Scarlett Johansson is the the token of a lot of people that this would affect. Now, in other cases, when uh, Warner Brothers fired off HBO Max about a year ago and, and Wonder Woman 1984 was going to be the launching device for this, the director, Patty Jenkins, star Gal Gadot, they had similar deals that were, you know, with back-end deals. They made the push and said, look, we're going to use this to launch this streaming device. You're probably not going to make your deals, but we'll make you a separate deal, bonuses, to make this really come out on the platform versus then in theaters at the start of this pandemic, they got rewarded and others did not and got left in the cold. Well, what, how, what, well, how come this is about the equity as far as trying to make it happen? So that's the one that's really kind of the, the sexy headlines. What this big strike is more about is a kind of a similar thing but different thing. 
movie the- movie studios and the producers that actually make these movies are claiming that they don't have the money and they're not getting the income from these streamers because they're really only experimental and they're just you know you can't base a, a whole model on an industry based on an experiment. But that seems to be less than accurate. They're making billions of dollars on these brand new streamers, bringing in lots of subscribers. And on top of that, some of these newer movies, just any subscriber doesn't get to watch it. You have to pay a premium service to get to see these newer movies. So there's a movie on that. But they're not really opening up and being reporting as far as how many, how do you, how do you sell, how do you tell who's watching what? How do you get residuals from that? How do you tell how many people went and saw the brand new Black Widow movie on Disney Plus? They're not really reporting those numbers. So you can get real creative in reporting what did or didn't happen. But one of the problems that they're having financial wise with these guilds is they will, a lot of times, if you'll see like an old movie, let's say Kindergarten, Kindergarten Cop shows up on, uh, on NBC, Schwarzenegger's going to get a couple of dollars from that. So will the director, so will other people, because it's called residuals, just real quick. A lot of these guild people, they don't get residuals, but these studios will contribute to their pensions. That's their health care, and that's their retirement and so forth. And they're saying, oh, we really can't pay into it like we have been because, geez, we're really not making the money that we would need to make in order to make this happen, which everybody that's not looking at the books, but you take a look at these palaces going up around the L.A. area, namely, that are all tied to show business, you cry me a river. You've got to be kidding me. There's no way that this stuff happens when you're as poor as you say that you are, that you can't do this. Keeping money for themselves, not letting it go to the rest, and that's just part of the problem, and it gets a little more involved than that. Not to mention that the IATSE's current contract happened to expire on July 31st. They extended it then through mid-September in an attempt to try to be able to work a new deal out and try to find some some new possibilities to be able to get things resolved, but nothing could then get resolved. So it's the perfect storm, really, with this contract expiring here during this time where all of this is going on with trying to continue to navigate the new frontier of streaming and how to be able to appropriately compensate, not to mention also just the the external stuff and factors of dealing with those long work days and those very taxing work days and all of a sudden, you've got this all set up to be a possible strike, which we are now on the brink of. Let's the other part that you just mentioned. Let's break that down just a little bit, and that's let's just call it being treated humanely. Let's just call it that, and that'll be kind of an all-encompassing term, just for the sake of making I it think, easy. I think now would be a good time to bring your source in a little bit to talk a little bit more about that, as far as what what this person has seen on the ground floor of this. Yeah, I've got a friend, and I, I won't say who they are, I won't say what they do, we'll just say that they've been in uh, Hollywood for a long time, and they've been involved in this, and I gave them a call just the other night, and tell me what tell me what your perspective is on this, tell me what it's like being in this, how are you feeling, what's your anxiety level, how is this, I'm just going to kind of pepper it throughout, uh, without being too specific, because I don't want to potentially put them into some sort of temperate water, and we'll just kind of leave it at that, and what's it like when you're not reading about it in USA Today, what's it like to actually be a part of this? Like anybody else, you want to go to work, you want to do your thing, you want to enjoy your day and be productive, and you like what you do, hopefully, and you just want to be compensated for it, you want to be treated humanely, but that has progressively become less and less and less the case. Um, We'll break a couple of things down for you. Long, long days. What does everyone work a normal eight-hour day, right? How much if you were working a 12- or 14-hour day? Hollywood has got unusual hours anyway, but they've come up with a term out there called fatter day. Because each day slides a little later and then a little later the next day and a little later the next day so that you're really kind of stretching these things out so that by the time you get to Friday, you don't actually show up to work till, say, maybe 5 p.m. or at dinner time, and you work till like 4 a.m. or 5 a.m., 12-hour days, and some are even longer than that, and you've gone through the overnight. So now your biological clock is all screwed up. They're not... And then you get home, you time to get in the car and drive home down the famous, infamous, rather, 405 or whatever road in L.A. and California... There are increasing car wrecks from people that are just outright, just completely exhausted. And my friend knows people that have been in horrible wrecks and some that have been killed directly related to the fact I'm just absolutely wiped out. You're taking away your weekends. You don't even get a full weekend anymore. You don't get lunch breaks anymore. So according to the guilds and the unions, if you're not going to have a break for lunch, it's in their contracts that every six hours we're going to have a break. Well, that takes too much time. If you don't do a lunch break or a food break, 
you get fined. They would rather take the fine, and they're just working it into the budgets rather than just let's take a break for lunch. We're going to work through this. Now you've got a 14-hour day, no lunch break, and you can do it again the next day, and you're going to do this to the point where your Friday blurs into Saturday. And that's part of it. It's just now imagine you go into your job, whatever that is, and it just keeps sliding and sliding and getting longer and longer. No, you're not going to eat, but here's $10. You're not going to use this for getting lunch today. We're going to work. No, you can't eat. we got to Imagine what kind of a lifestyle that would be and with the financials on top of that. Yeah, we're not going to give to the pension, but they're basically, in some cases, literally working some of these people to death. Very extreme kind of circumstances that are, that have been more so a norm than anything or, or created into a bit of a norm by, I don't know, just, I, again, I, I think it's the, the, the content is king kind of mantra comes to mind here, Dave, as far as it feels like that's driving so much of this. And with streaming opening, uh, streaming has opened Pandora's box in, in a variety of ways. And one of them is that content can be churned out in, in a new kind of expediency now and, and can hit the screen now in a different way because you're not just creating an idea and put, trying to put it out there to see if you can land on television. You can now put it out on streaming. You're not just putting an idea together for a movie and hoping maybe that it can somehow be able to get on the big screen. You can get it out there now through streaming, and you can do it through that. It's open doors, but at the same time, it's also it's also created an influx of, of work and possibility that is maybe a more taxing one than ever before. It's, it's fair to venture. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, The industry, I can't say has changed because it is changing. It's in a state of flux right now. Uh, To give you an example, there used to be on TV something called Sweeps. They would put forth their super big episodes with the super big guest stars and a really good plot turn and two-part episodes and cliffhangers. You name it. They did it four times a year, and that's when they would start really looking at the ratings. And so they would pump it up at the beginning of each ratings period and pump it up at the end. So the people that were being monitored for ratings purposes would be very interested. Well, I got to see this episode with this you know, exciting thing. They don't really do that anymore. And so you would use those numbers to give you a rating, and the higher the rating, the more people are watching is the basic breakdown of it. And then you could sell advertising through it to buy advertising on a particular show, whether that's radio or TV or cable or whatever, wasn't a flat rate, you know, depending on what you wanted to show. If you were going to advertise during the height of Friends on NBC, that was the number one show. It was great. That's why commercials during the Super Bowl run over a million dollars for just 30 seconds because everybody is watching the Super Bowl. It's got some Correct. of the highest ratings of all time ever versus some small UHF channel, if there are such things these days, with some small community access programming. They don't sell ads on those things because nothing's going to, because that's the range. There is no sweeps anymore. That stuff just doesn't necessarily work the way that it used to. And particularly with streaming, as long as you subscribe, you're in. And of course, there's premium content like the newer movies. You're not just going to be a Disney Plus subscriber and get to see the brand new movie, but you're also going to need to pay a premium fee in order to watch that brand new movie, whether that's Mulan or whether that's Black Widow. Um, but you're also starting to see some fallout starting to change, mainly because of the Scarlett Johansson lawsuit that Disney in particular is really starting to make some adjustments. They've announced that every movie for the remainder of 2021 and possibly into 2022, all the new ones will be exclusive to the theaters and not onto the streamers. Oh, thank goodness. They're talking about restructuring contracts to really work streaming in, so they're clearly realizing we've got a problem here with the way things have been going. The terminology for the boiling frog in the pot of water terminology comes to mind. You don't realize as the water is slowly, slowly, slowly warmed up that it's boiling now. You're just kind of, you adjust those changes as they're made. But then all of a sudden you realize this is boiling water rather than just jump into already boiling water. Yo, that's hot. You hop right out. But the long story short is Hollywood is boiling and they are very well aware of it. And now the pushback is about to happen if it happens We'll see. But if it does happen and they authorize a strike and there could be a strike, it's not a guarantee there will be one. But if there is one, it could very well shut down Hollywood. Um, My source, her intuition says it probably won't be a long strike. Um, They also believe that Disney knows that they're going to probably have to pay out in not just for streaming issues, but the Scarlet issue. They're trying desperately to not go to court. And that generally is a sign. Um, Disney is a super mega corporation. You know, they could settle. They want to. They're trying to, but 
Scarlett and company knows they've got something. Well, it is. It's a risk on on the other side of this for the the Alliance of Motion Picture Television Producers is who is basically staring them down in this and and is saying that they're going to stand rooted in what they what they think it should look like as far as being able to renegotiate all of this and and what they feel are fair concessions to make for the demands of the union but you don't look very good in, in this instance when these are the kind of things that are getting talked about that that are being pushed for and that they feel that they have that they have a right to and that that is that have been not dealt with very well and again when you also factor in a new frontier idea like like streaming into it as well you just end up looking like this big bad wolf basically with all of this and and then when you've got people who are actors themselves who are on the front end who are also lending your support to this well then you're just going to have even more people looking into this and going boy this just all does not look very good at all and then oh by the way yeah, we're not putting anything out there. We're not actually working on anything at the moment. Now it looks even worse. You've got producers are, it's complicated, but long story short is when, you, when your movie wins Best Oscar for Best Picture, it's the producer that goes up and grabs them. Some people wear multiple hats. Spielberg is not just a director. He's a producer also. Producers basically are the guy or team that make the movie. They hire the director and hire the stars and so on and so forth. They're in charge of the movie more so than even the director. They're also very much tied to the studio. And when a movie goes absolutely crazy when it comes to you know the movie being made and being successful, the producers are the ones that get the majority of the money because they really made the movie. They are in charge of the movie being made. Um, so they're the ones that have got the most money tied up into this. And, you know, like in anything else, it's all about the money, 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 as much as I can get for me and as less for you. It's kind of what it breaks down to. And it's not that dissimilar with the studios. Also, if you think about the directors that are just directors, um, some of them have big enough names and contracts like the Tom Cruises of this world that are also producers and stars. They can kind of set themselves apart to an extent, but a lot of people, they really depend on, you know, fair turnabout and fair equity and so that we can actually do this if you're going to have a wage that's around minimum wage in the los angeles area you need to have like 12 roommates in a studio apartment to order to live you just you can't live any kind of a lifestyle when you're being paid as little as they're trying to get them to pay nothing going into your pension and trying to make you work 14 hour days no lunch being treated like cattle in fact talking to my source they would almost prefer i mean the money is one thing but they just don't want to be treated like some kind of animal or watch their friends be treated like animals. I don't get to see my friends anymore, and some of them are being killed in car wrecks because they're driving home at 4 in the morning after working right. a 14-hour day. I mean, that's just – would if with your job that you do, how would you respond to something like that? AMPTP apparently put out a statement that they had, that they had come to the negotiating table with their own offer to, um, to try to – alleviate this with IA with IATSE but that they didn't that they ultimately walked away from it and didn't take it I mean it was them saying hey we did our part we tried we tried we tried to get this out there and yeah quote unquote tried to to get this all resolved they meant they mentioned about the economic realities of of COVID-19 and all of that yeah that's that's a factor but I I don't know. I'm I'm sure that there's plenty that has been saved up over time or that is that is still rolling in even with the changing landscape where you'd be able to still try to be able to get this worked out maybe properly and be able to meet the needs that they would be looking for. They said, "Hey, we we they they gave a list of these were the things that we tried to do." It sounds like, Dave, it is all in the language. It's all in the details right now as far as how and when and if this can get resolved. It's going to come down to details and specifics because it seems like they have been at the negotiating table, but it's clear IATSE feels that there are areas that are still not being met in a way that they feel is going to be reasonable and and meets what they're looking for and AMPTP just simply has not worked themselves to that that kind of line. It's it, it's your classic staring contest as far as being able to work through negotiation is that they're ju- they just have not reached what they would deem to be common ground on this and no one's budging from where they stand right now. They've tried to make negotiations work. The strike is just is just the latest step and that 
authorization for the strike is the latest step. I think it's important to, to mention that, too, that this vote does not necessarily mean that a strike will take place beginning October 4th. It means that if they give the authorization, if they do vote on it and it's a strong enough majority, they're saying if there is a call for striking, then we will strike and giving that authorization to turn that over. So let's give a parallel here. I've read a parallel very much like this and talking to my source, they also suggest this. This could be something more than just Hollywood. This could be a lot of other things. Uh, In the news recently, you're reading about other attempts to unionize when it comes to, say, Amazon. You've got Jeff Bezos, who is now officially the richest man in the world, who has got money to burn, but he stands on the backs of all these workers, of whatever they are, and many of them are in these fulfillment warehouse centers and so forth that aren't getting their pay, they're not getting their... It's a similar situation here. They tried to unionize, there were votes that were... You know, rigged or not rigged, but it didn't really work out. A lot of people are talking openly that this might be something in Hollywood that they're watching to see how well it does that could have implications for, say, like Amazon. So if these people in the union with Hollywood are coming together and they're going to speak out, not like you said, resoundingly, not with a whimper and I suppose maybe I mean, with a forceful yes, then watch what other implications could trickle down as the dominoes go. Could there be another attempt within, say, Amazon to try to unionize while their owner is paying? How much did it cost to go up in his rocket? You know, that's money that could have gone to a lot of different things that really just kind of went for space tourism as its own thing. I get it. But, I mean, it was just an overabundance of wealth if you have that much money. But you also have people working at Amazon as a fulfillment worker and other jobs and still can't make ends meet. we got a problem here. Um, this could be one facet of something much, much larger that could be the start of a domino tip, quite possibly. You've already got issues. We're trying to go get a lunch at a fast food place. A lot of places real slow or not open because they can't get the people working. A lot of people, the overall say is we're just not getting paid enough to do this. This could be part of a much, 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 much larger thing, but now it's going to affect Hollywood. Kind of a parallel that kind of ties in. Kind of. Yeah, I'm curious if... if there does end up being a trickle down into other industries. I mean, as far as the labor shortage that we've got going on right now, that is mo- that's most definitely related to COVID slash COVID payouts and, and things that are coming from that. The other key factor that you have with a possible strike of this nature, Dave, I think is the very public nature of it. I mean, the, you are talking about an industry in the entertainment industry that so many people are attached to in some way or interested in in some way people people who love consuming entertainment are going to hear about this are going to see this are going to be quote unquote affected by this that's a lot of hand and a lot of power if you are trying to to wield it in a strike like this you know you think about the writer strike and i i was I think, let's see, yeah, I was in middle school at the time, just going into high school. Yeah, just going into high school at the time when the writer's strike was going on. And I heard about it around the news and stuff, And I, but I was, I was aware, like, it, that was a huge deal. That was a really huge deal when, when that was going on. And, and the fact that it was going to be upending so much... Take that writer's strike and, and put it on an even larger level with the number of people who'd be walking out here across more aspects of content creation than just writing. And you're looking at something that is going to get a lot of attention and a lot of notoriety even. And a lot of, a lot of people are going to be looking into this in the manner that you and I are if this actually starts to then come about and take place and they're going to go... Hey, my favorite show is pausing production right now within the midst of their season. I'm not I'm not a fan of that. I'm not happy with that. Hey, this movie that I'm looking forward to that's in post production is now on pause and there's another delay on top of COVID related delays that are already taking place. I'm mad. I'm not happy about that. That's a lot of power that is that is potentially going to be wielded here by those who would be striking. And it would really put the squeeze on those who who are on the production side of this who are saying, no, we're not willing to move on these concessions and everything. 
it, it's going to not look very good for for somebody in in the media, and that's where I think so much of the so much of the fascination I think will be. What kind of response are you going to get in a the media and b with the everyday folk and people who consume these these entertainment products who are going to be looking into this and going, what's the deal here? Because the reaction, I'm sure, is not going to be great. And that's a good way to break down the, the reaction, the consequence. Let's break it down for the everyday man as a cause uh, and just kind of encompass all of this. Um, let's say you work at a grocery store. Let's say your grocery store, the manager comes and says, look, we're having a real hard time. We might maybe even have to close down the store. We're having hard times. Fourth of July weekend, we need this place to be packed. We need this place to go crazy. We're going to promote. We're going to do this. And you go crazy, and there is a wall of people that come through, and you work your butt off to get people in, get them out, get their produce, keep store shelves shocked and all this. And then we're going to get our, we're going to finally get paid, and you're struggling. And then the weekend is over, and your boss, yeah, we, we did, you know, we just didn't make enough. As they pull in their brand new high end vehicle, telling you that they just didn't do enough. Where are they getting their money? Where are they saying that we don't have enough money to give to us? We're the ones that make the store work. If we're not here stocking shelves doing this, it doesn't open. Anyone that's tried to go grab lunch lately understands that people aren't there because it, it doesn't pay to go there for what reason or another. It's That's kind of a breakdown of the cause. And this is not a new thing where you've got creative accounting in Hollywood. You'll get paid when we get our proceeds back from what we've invested into this movie. And then whatever we make profit, you'll get a, a cut of. It turns out to be the, one of the biggest grossing movies of the year. But then they tell you, we just didn't make enough money. So you're not going to get what we promised you you would get because we didn't make money. We actually lost money. Explain to me how we lost money with all of this and this deal and that deal. Hard to see that. And they won't open the books. And it gets even more complicated when you don't actually know how the breakdown of streaming yeah. revenue goes because we still like do we even still have any true idea of how that looks it's still very ambiguous when it comes to where is the breakdown of streaming streaming revenue the scarlett johansson issue brought that to light in a way that maybe people had thought about before but then we're like well boy now now we really have to consider this in a new way because somebody is going Hey, this is not how this was drawn up. This was not how this was all put about. Plus, I don't even know how I'm going to be compensated properly from this. Again, streaming is is blazing a new trail and a new frontier, but it continues to be a worrisome one when you have factors like this that become a role. Nobody exactly knows for certain where the revenue is going in, in some instances, and then you get times like this where it ends up creating a rift. In some way. Now, again, also important to point out, the streaming slash compensation part of this is only one piece of the puzzle as far as why this is taking place. There is also the fact that there is the overworked nature of of these people who are are working and doing cinematography and all of these different things. They they are flat out getting overworked, whether it's meeting deadlines or just churning out content so much. That has has just reached a a tipping point as well too, to where they go. That's also part of it. it it's again, I, I said this phrase earlier. It is truly all a perfect storm of things coming together right now. Yeah, and look at it like this. You know, if you're actually on a film set, there Hollywood is well known for having unusual hours. If you're going to be shooting night shots, generally that's going to be an overnight shoot. It might be 5 p.m. to 4 a.m. because this scene is dark and it has to be take place at dark. It makes sense to start filming at dark and go all night long so that it's dark as long as it is. That's one thing. It's another thing if you don't go to the set, you work behind the scenes in an editing bay or something else, and your hours keep getting shoved and shoved and shoved. Now, if you're going to a set, imagine now... You're a parent. You got a kid. You got someone that's in school. You need to pick them up. Well, I'm working in Prague right now, let's say. Well, that's going to be something interesting. Maybe you bring your family with you. Maybe you don't. Who's going to pick them up? Who's going to bring them this way? That's one thing if you're on a set. If you're going to an office like most of us do every day and your day is shifting and shifting and shifting and shifting, who's going to watch my kid? Who's going to take them up? Who, how does this work? It's a lot easier just for the sake of planning your life just to make it as basically simple as I possibly can. To know that at this point this begins, at this point something ends, you can make those arrangements. But when day to day to day, it just becomes longer and more and more, not just difficult, but impossible to live any kind of a life outside of a bay with no lunch, 
minimal pay, no contributions to your pension, and to the point where you can't even afford to live there anymore, but that's where the work is, you kind of have your, your back against the wall. At some point, you realize the water's boiling. you got to jump out. you got to push back. I get the feeling that this is going to be a subject that we are going to be updating for probably future episodes. Could hopefully it's not going to be too many, but it could be it could be quite a few future episodes that we might be giving updates on this with um in regard to how this is all playing out and what's what's going on with it. But it's again a convergence of many different factors and many different issues going on. I mean with how the movie industry has been impacted by COVID-19, how streaming fits into all of this and has been a way of being able to get things out for people to be able to consume and to watch, and yet they're still trying to figure out how to compensate from it all. And then you factor in content generation, how much is is getting created, how that is then putting a strain on those who are making it all happen. And, oh, by the way, an expiration of this union contract as well this summer. And here we are. And here we may go with with all of this uh, possibly taking place. Again, the strike authorization vote is coming up this weekend. And then possibly the call to strike beyond that if there is a strong enough vote. Any Dave, as we're getting, I think, pretty close to wrapping it up, I don't think there's too much yeah. else to add with it, but anything else that was of interest or that stuck out when you were talking to your source about this issue and just how they see this and what they think about all of it? Um, you just want to be treated fairly is really what it comes down to. People hear about people that work in Hollywood, and you almost think of it like a sports star that makes a bazillion-dollar contract. The majority of people that are involved in this, that's not them. They're working hours and days and money for, for the most part, very similar to a lot of us. It's a grind. Yes. When, it's behind, when you're behind the scenes, even even for up-and-comers, I mean, who are just getting started, who end up, I mean, you hear those stories occasionally about up-and-comers who ended up getting into into the acting side of things and stuff. It's a grind. It's a massive grind to be oh, yeah. able to, to make your way along in this world. It's an industry that makes a but Jesus load of money. But most of the people involved do not. Like Amazon. Amazon makes a heck of a lot of money. But most of the people that are Amazon employees that are working in those warehouses, when you click on that you know, rubber swim fin or whatever, and somebody in some warehouse needs to get it, pack it, ship it, move it, that's what makes Amazon work. But it doesn't really work for them. They're, you know, it's the same kind of ridiculousness. Um, this is not about people that are getting, well, we're just going to pay them even another couple million dollars. See if they're, this is not like this. This is people that make probably something similar to like a UPS guy. They just don't make ridiculous amounts of money. They just want to work. They want to be able to go to work and have a life and come back from work and have lunch and not be so tired driving home that the fatality report, once again, coming out of the studios is, is a complete cluster. You don't want that. You know, you, people are literally being worked to death and this is just part of it. You just want to live. That's all you want. You just want to do a normal day, a normal job, even though it's working in Hollywood, which is its own kind of normal, unnormal job. You just want you want to be treated humanely. You want to be treated like somebody with some degree of respect, and you're just not. And they keep asking for more of you to sacrifice. At some point, what do you do? You know, it's you, when you feel less than human. It's something that something needs to something needs to happen. Something needs to change, and that might be what this is right here. Whether people are directly involved in it or not. This seems to be one facet of a large thing that's encompassing a lot of this country. And we're maybe more involved in this than we like to think that we are. One thing I'll say, too, is that if this continues to escalate, people are going to know about it. You are who are listening to this podcast, you're going to know about it. You're going to start seeing this trickle down uh, affecting things here. Maybe sooner sooner than you realize as far as... Shows that are constantly in production, that are on television right now, that, that are kind of doing so a few months out from when from when those episodes get released. You might if this continues to escalate, you might just see this starting to starting to impact you as far as what you're watching and what you're consuming from your favorite shows and movies sooner rather than later. 
you know, just to give you a little context before we sign it up and wrap it up here, um, when this last happened, or the writer's strike that happened, what, 15 years ago, something like that, there were a lot of places that didn't necessarily have to shut down, but did out of solidarity. And one that I'll point a finger at in a good way was late night talk show circuit. This is back when you still had Conan O'Brien and David Letterman. They shut down their shows, and in the case of Conan O'Brien, he paid his staffers as if they were still working, even though they weren't. He wow. could have shown up, and he could have done more of a show. This is an example of somebody that really does care about the bigger problem and his staff. Well, that's a guy who had been a writer himself. I yeah. mean, he wrote for The Simpsons. Sure. He had been a writer for he still SNL. Is. I mean, not for The Simpsons, but he's still a writer and writes his own stuff, and he's you know kind of morphosizing right now into a different era, but he absolutely felt for these people and had the means to help support them and did even at his own cost and shut down his show as did all the others. You know, the the Daily Show shut down and a lot of them did their own little fun side projects for absolutely no profit at all. Uh, Joss Whedon did uh, something funny with superheroes and it went on YouTube exclusively and it didn't make any money, but it was just something fun to do. Uh, didn't involve anything with the unions. They still made something fun, but at the same time, they definitely were part of you know the solidarity with the writers. We're going to help support these writers and have some fun at the same time. You might see something similar where places that are able to shut down, the powers that be are going to say, no, 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 we're going to make a statement in support of this. That mm-hmm. also could happen. Um, so this is kind of a rumbling that's building up that maybe something happens. Maybe there's an eruption of sorts, or maybe it's just a small minor tremor that settles down. They, they sacrifice somebody to the volcano, and it, the, the volcano gods are happy, and it doesn't explode. But we'll see what happens here. But there's every potential that this could, and if it does, will it be short Will it be long? Will it be drawn out? There's periods in Hollywood's history where you can see where content suffers, um, the length of a season suffers because of some kind of shutdown or strike or whatever. And if this is everybody that's not an actor, writer, or director, that's anybody and everybody that's on the set pretty much. That you can't shoot a movie when you don't have people to help shoot a movie or a show or a streaming show or whatever. Rick and Nick Talk Flicks is sponsored by the Bemidji Theater, located on Highway 2, just down from the airport. Yeah, Get hungry and get snacks from them. Support them. That's right. Keep on supporting them. I'm going to be really bummed if this impacts production of Better Call Saul, which <laughs> it looks like it would, um, because they are in the they are in the works on their final season. They already had a stoppage that had taken place when Bob Odenkirk had a, a minor heart, heart attack issue, yeah. that happened. So. Yeah, I'm going to be bummed if this ends up uh, putting a pause on that, too. But it's a bummer just on many different levels. But you hope that this can all get resolved. Bottom line, you hope that it can get resolved in a a fair and adequate way and that we can continue to enjoy the things that we get to see and get just consume when it comes to being able to to enjoy entertainment and the, the great ideas that come from it all. But... Hopefully it all comes about in a way that ends up being fair for those who who help make this happen. Yeah, we're going to get there uh, in some way, shape, or form. My thought is, one way, shape, or form, this is going to happen. Whether a strike actually happens or whether the producers and the studios finally realize they're not fooling around here. They're going to do this. We've got a package set up in reserve that we just don't want to release. Okay, they're going to do it. Okay, release the package. Or it'll be a short strike, is my hope, once they realize, oh, this could really be bad. Because producers don't make money when there's no new content, and that will all come to an end, uh, or at least a halt for a while. We'll see what happens. Stay tuned. Stay tuned. Yes. All right. I'm Joel Hoover. I'm Dave Brooks. And we will see you at the movies. We hope. We hope.